Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last episode, we listened to a dramatic press conference and discovered that Texpania had been hacked. We heard Mario Ruiz de Velasco accuse Lola Badiola of being involved in the crime. In this episode, we're going to find out how Lola responded. Was she able to defend herself? Or did she have a meltdown? Did she have another panic attack? Let's get back to the story and find out. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 13 The Blind Date Lola stood alone on the balcony of her apartment, looking out across Plaza del Dos de Mayo in the Malasaña district of Madrid. She couldn't get the image of Mario Ruiz de Velasco out of her head, his green eyes staring into the camera, accusing her of being involved in the attack. Everybody at J-Block had turned to look at her. The administrative staff, the programmers, Diego de la Fuente, Cayetano Tolosa and J.J. Thompson. She knew what they were thinking. She knew that they were questioning her integrity. But that moment, her feelings of anger and indignation gave her strength. OK, listen up, she said in a loud voice. This security breach is bad for Ruiz de Belasco and his shareholders, but it's good news for us. The truth is, they were running outdated and inferior programmes, and it was only a matter of time before they were breached. We need to take this opportunity to show our potential customers that we offer a superior solution. Diego, Cayetano, I'd like you to join me in my office so that we can revise our marketing plan in light of these developments. I have more than a dozen hot prospects lined up and I'd like to visit them this week with our new proposal. And in case any of you are wondering, I wasn't fired from that company. I left them to join a group of people who I believe will make the business world a better and safer place. If anybody doubts that, please speak out now. Nobody said anything. Lola let the silence hang in the air as she scanned their faces. Then she said, Right, Diego, Cayetano, let's go. The two men dutifully followed her into her office while everyone looked on. As she stood on the balcony of her apartment, Lola replayed the day's events over and over again in her head. Her little speech had been effective. She was confident that she had won back the trust of most, if not all, of her new colleagues. But she was worried about Ruiz de Velasco and what he would do next. Hey, Lola! She was distracted by the sound of a familiar voice from the street below. She looked over the balcony and saw Concha, her best friend, beckoning her down. Are you ready? Ready for what? Come on, it's double date night! Lola had completely forgotten that Concha and her husband had organised a blind date for her and one of their single male friends. She wasn't in the mood. She wanted to relax in front of the TV, eat fajitas and watch Netflix. Concha sensed her reticence. Don't let me down, Lola. 
We've been planning this for weeks. You've got to meet this guy. He's made for you. Lola shook her head, ran her fingers through her hair. She was mentally exhausted. But for the first time that day, she had been distracted from work. Maybe an evening with friends was what she needed. Maybe a night of uncomplicated sex would do her some good. Okay, Concha. I'll be down in ten minutes. She hung up the phone and headed to the bathroom. Of course Lola was able to defend herself. She may have her insecurities, as we all do, but she's also a woman of character, courage and self-control. Did you notice what I did there, in that last sentence? I used alliteration to make it sound more attractive. Do you remember from the last episode what alliteration is? It's the repetition of the first letter of successive words in a phrase. Lola Badiola is a woman of character, courage and self-control. Alliteration makes our sentences more attractive and more memorable. Okay, let's review the key language learning points from this episode. And we are heading straight back to the concept of phrasal verbs. So here's a question for you. How many phrasal verbs can you form with the root verb to look? Hmm. There are loads of them, aren't there? Well, in this episode, we used three simple and standard phrasal verbs with the root verb to look. We used look out. Lola stood alone on the balcony of her apartment, looking out across Plaza del Dos de Mayo in the Malasaña district of Madrid. We used look on. Diego, Cayetano, let's go. The two men dutifully followed her into her office while everyone looked on. And we used look over. She looked over the balcony and saw Concha, her best friend, beckoning her down. Now these are three everyday phrasal verbs. They're quite literal, they're simple, and you can understand them when you see them or you hear them in context. Now in the research for this podcast, I encountered 17 phrasal verbs with the root verb to look. And there are probably more. Are you ready for the ones that I found? Here we go. Look at, look for, look after. Look ahead, look around, look away. Look back, look forward to, look on. Look into, look out, look over, look through, look up. Look out for, look up to, look down on. Now instinctively, you know what most of these mean particularly when you see them in context. And as I've said before, there is no point in learning long lists of phrasal verbs. It's boring and it's depressing. You have to add two or three new phrasal verbs to your vocabulary each week. So I have chosen three phrasal verbs to focus on today. Look out for, look up to, 
and look down on. Now, what do these three phrasal verbs have in common, other than they use the root verb to look? Well, first of all, they're advanced verbs. You will hear native English speakers using these in the office when they're talking about their colleagues, their managers, and their clients. So they're advanced, but they're very commonly used by native English speakers. The second thing that they have in common is each of them have two prepositions attached to the verb, which makes them a little bit tricky. So let's start with to look out for. This means to protect someone, to make sure that they are treated well. The company has always looked out for me. That is why I feel so loyal to the management. Are you looking out for your team? Are you making sure that they are happy, healthy and fully engaged? Okay, now let's move on to to look up to and to look down on. These are opposite sides of the same coin. Look up to means to admire, to respect someone. I look up to my mother and my father. I look up to Ian Slatter, my old boss at JP Morgan. Who do you look up to? Look down on is the opposite. It's to feel that someone is not worthy of admiration or respect. And it's difficult to find simple synonyms for this verb. But they would include the words to disdain or to scorn someone. But it's much more likely that you'll hear a native English speaker use the phrasal verb to look down on. And the point is, you believe that you are superior to the people around you. I don't like it when people look down on me. Okay, let's do a little test. I'm going to give you three sentences with these phrasal verbs. And you have to choose the correct phrasal verb. I'm going to say the sentence with a gap and you have to fill in the gap with the correct phrasal verb. It'll be one of the three that we've just discussed. So here we go. I have always looked mm-mm the CEO. She's a true leader. He's such an arrogant manager. He looks mm-mm everyone in our team. This year is going to be very difficult. We need to look mm-mm each other. Okay, did they come naturally? Did you manage to include the correct prepositions? Okay, let me read out the full sentences. I've always looked up to the CEO. She's a true leader. He's such an arrogant manager, he looks down on everyone in his team. This year is going to be very difficult. We need to look out for each other. So there you go, three advanced phrasal verbs. You should understand them in context and you should try to experiment with using them when you're interacting 
in English. Okay, now let's analyze some cool vocabulary. Here we go. I have more than a dozen hot prospects lined up and I'd like to visit them this week with our new proposal. A hot prospect, also known as a warm lead. Now, this is a term that makes every salesperson very excited. It's a potential client that has expressed interest in your product. And the probability of making a sale is therefore high. Higher than 50%. I'd say if you have a hot prospect, the likelihood of you closing them is between 70 and 80%. Now, if you classify a lead as a hot prospect, then your manager is going to expect you to close the deal. Why? Well, because the prospect has a problem that you can solve. They probably want to meet you and they have budget available. That's what makes them a hot prospect. So don't disappoint your manager. Make the sale. Okay, here's the next item of cool vocabulary. Lola had completely forgotten that Concha and her husband had organized a blind date for her and one of their single male friends. A blind date is a romantic meeting between two people who've never met each other. And it's normally organized by mutual friends. And the point of a blind date is that you know nothing about the person you are meeting. You don't know what they look like. You have no idea about their personality. It's a mystery. So it is exciting and terrifying at the same time. Have you ever been on a blind date? I went on one once when I was a teenager. What an adventure. And what a disaster. And I'm thinking, do blind dates actually still exist? Do, does this generation of kids actually go out on blind dates? Because with social media and applications like Tinder, it's almost impossible not to know anything about the person you are meeting, even if you have never met them before. You can look them up on Google. You can go onto their Facebook or their Instagram profile, get a very good idea of what they look like, and actually have a good idea of their personality as well. So my question is, do blind dates still exist? As you can see, I haven't been in the dating game for many years. Okay, we're going to complete today's class with this final sentence. Here we go. Maybe a night of uncomplicated sex would do her some good. Uncomplicated sex. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that like blind dates, this doesn't exist either. Because if it's uncomplicated, it's not sex. And if it's sex, it's not uncomplicated. Okay, before you think that The Adventures of Lola Badiola has turned into one of those relationship advice podcasts, let me make an English language point here. I think 
that uncomplicated sex is what we call an oxymoron. What is an oxymoron? Spelt O-X-Y-M-O-R-O-N. Well, an oxymoron is a linguistic term for an expression where you have oppositional words and they're joined together to create a phrase that seems absurd and yet makes perfect sense at the same time. Right, an oxymoron is easier to understand when we discuss an example. Bittersweet. Leaving JP Morgan was a bittersweet experience for me. How can something be bitter and sweet at the same time? They are at the opposite ends of the tasting spectrum. Something is either bitter or it's sweet. So why do I say that leaving JP Morgan is a bittersweet experience? Because I am emphasizing the contradictory feelings that I have. I am, at the same moment, sad and happy. It's a contradiction that actually makes perfect sense. Okay, here's another one. Only choice. It's the only choice we have. We must invest in China. Only choice is an oxymoron. Because if it's the only thing you can do, you clearly don't have a choice. But once again, there's a deeper meaning here. It's emphasizing the fact that your destiny is decided, that there really is no other option. Here's another one. The sound of silence. Do you remember that wonderful Simon and Garfunkel song? The sound of silence. That's an oxymoron. Another one that you might hear a lot when people are having an argument, they'll say something like, okay, right, let's just agree to disagree. How can you agree to disagree? You either agree or you disagree. But then again, there is a deeper meaning to this. It's a way of saying, okay, look, I respect that you have a different opinion and we can continue to live and work together. Okay, so these are all oxymorons, a playful use of opposing words to demonstrate a deeper meaning. So what is the deeper meaning of the opposing ideas of uncomplicated sex? Well, I suppose it reveals the ongoing struggle in Lola's life, the desire to create order out of chaos, simplicity out of complexity. Am I starting to sound a little too philosophical? Hmm, maybe I am. I think what you really want to know right now is what actually happened on the blind date. Was it a success or was it a disaster? Or was it both? A successful disaster. There you go. 
That's another oxymoron. Shall we find out? Shall we find out exactly what happened on Lola's blind date? Yes, let's do that. Here's a little bonus chapter. I hope you enjoy it. Lola took another sip of red wine as she listened to her blind date telling a funny anecdote about his travels. He worked as an engineer for the Red Bull Formula One racing team and spent nine months of the year travelling from one major city to another. He was intelligent, charming, and he loved the music of Leonard Cohen. As Concha had said earlier that evening, he was perfect for Lola. But Lola's mind was distracted. It fluctuated between the conversation at the dinner table about the skyscrapers in Melbourne and the Ferris wheel in Osaka, and the conversations in her head about J. Block, Ruiz de Belasco, and the cyber attack. By the time they ordered dessert, Lola was feeling a little too drunk for a Wednesday evening. She excused herself from the table and headed to the ladies' toilet. Concha followed her. So, what do you think? About what? Lola replied as she touched up her makeup in front of the bathroom mirror. About your blind date. Oh, he's lovely. Lola paused and then turned to Concha and said, What's his name again? Come on. Concha shook her head in genuine frustration. She had made a lot of effort to get these two together and she wanted it to work. What's up with you this evening? Lola stopped retouching her makeup, put down her mascara brush, and then burst into tears, big, loud, uncontrollable sobs. Concha opened her arms, and Lola fell into them like a tall, gangly teenager in need of some mother love. For a moment, they didn't say anything. They just rocked from side to side in the middle of the bathroom. A couple of other women came and went, smiling sympathetically as they passed. He wants to ruin me, Concha. What? He wants to end my career. Who? Ruiz de Belasco. That bastard. How? He's lying about me, saying I was fired, implying I'm a criminal. Bastard. I've made the worst decision of my life. Okay, okay, calm down. Let it all out. Lola took a few deep breaths and gradually regained her composure. She caught sight of her face in the bathroom mirror. Oh, God, look at me now. What a disaster. I feel so sorry for my blind date. She washed her hands and face and took a fresh paper towel from the dispenser. Then she turned to Concha with a smile and said, What was his name again? The two women burst into laughter. And when they had calmed down, Lola dried her face, retouched her mascara and straightened her hair. Thanks for listening, Concha. I needed that. Are you sure you're okay? Yep. Let's go. They had one last hug, and then Lola picked up her handbag, took a final look at herself in the mirror, and opened the bathroom door. The two women walked confidently back to their table. Lola sat down, leaned forward, and in a quiet voice said to her blind date, Listen, I haven't really been myself tonight. Oh? It's a long story. Okay. Would you mind if we started this blind date from the beginning again? She smiled at him playfully. Sure, he replied. 
she stretched out her hand and said, Hi, my name's Lola Badiola. What's your name? 